Dungeons and Daddies, not a BDSM podcast, is hitting the road this summer from May 31st through June 14th. We're doing part two of our U.S. live tour. Whoa. I came up with the name for this one. Yeah, it's yeah. called the Areas Tour. Very kind good. of similar. Dungeons you know? and Daddies, the Areas Tour, feet Taylor Swift. We're hitting the road again. Midwest and East Coast dates on sale. Tickets are available now. We're starting up in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to Milwaukee, Chicago, Indianapolis, Detroit, Pelham, Tennessee, Atlanta, New York, Philadelphia, and Boston. Wow. More info on our website, dungeonsanddaddies.com slash live. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're about to hear, for the very first time on the main feed, an episode of Talking Dad, which is our Patreon after show where we discuss each episode a week after they air. On this episode, we go over the entire season one of Dungeons and Daddies, talk about the process behind our characters and the story, the challenges and joys of using D&D as a storytelling system, and offer some tantalizing glimpses into what might have been and what's to come with Fetch Quest and season two of the show. We've been doing this for just about the entire season, so if you like what you hear, head on over to Patreon patreon.com slash dungeons and dads to subscribe to our patreon where you'll also be able to get an extended edition of this episode where we answer listener questions and you can hear exclusive never before heard audio of beth dunking on my grandma that's just one of the many patreon perks available so take a look at patreon.com slash dungeons and dads and consider supporting this show directly thanks so much for listening and without further ado talking dad Welcome to Talking Dad, a podcast about a podcast that if you're hearing this, you probably just listened to the season one finale of. Yeah, just uh, listen to it again. A podcast about a podcast that was. (gasps) So that's it. Housekeeping, first of all, we're going to continue doing the show. That was season one finale that you heard, and we're going to do a season two. Actually, Freddie, do you want to go through the whole yeah, schedule so of what the next ha- few months is going to yeah, be? Yeah, here's what's yes, going please, on. please, Freddie. Will is going to be taking on DM Duties for a three-episode miniseries called Fetch Quest, about three dogs and one cat from our world flung into the Forgotten we Realms. We heard your requests, and we are going to start trying to make Fetch Quest happen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, while Will does that, Anthony is putting final touches and prepping for season two of Dungeons & Daddies. Same universe... Same universe, continuation of the story. I like to imagine that Anthony has like a beta testing group of like his like other improv comedy friends. People I respect exactly like 14% less than I respect you. And that you're trying it out with them to like see how the system works before you you upgrade to the major leagues. If this is your first time listening to Talking Dad, like you're not subscribed to our Patreon or whatever, uh, this is basically just a show where we talk about the episode that we just did, the episode at large, and honestly, about 70% of it is just us bullshitting about movies and stuff that we yeah. like. So, oh, uh, and it's after, like, The Talking Dead, like, get it? Like, from The Walking Dead, they have The Talking Dead on yeah, AMC. That. It was funny, like, three years ago when we started this <laughs> it was, like, podcast. Really so it was, like, a little bit more relevant. Very relevant. It. Very yeah. hip, yeah. very cool. I guess we'll get to change the name for season two. That's true. If we want to. Ooh, people still, because people don't know who are playing for season two. They don't. In the Discord, I did let loose that we're not playing the same characters. I did not give any spoilers about who we're playing, right? Like that, I, but I thought it was fair because a lot of people got really. I saw in the Discord quite a few people got excited. Oh, cool! I can't wait to see the dads. Yeah, fight the, the dads are coming back. Yeah. We should definitely yeah. be clear yeah, the dads the, because the continuation of the story element yeah. seems like we're playing yeah. The same and I don't know if you say the dads aren't going to come back because actually I don't even think we know if our specific dads are coming back. But 
the story is continuing, but we will be playing different characters. I would like to ask this question to the group because I don't actually think it's a spoil to say, basically, generally speaking, what kind of people you are in the next season and what the concept is. I think it'd be fun to say. I kind of. I don't, don't want to go into details about like sure. who our characters are one because I'm still we'll working on mine. We'll say it in the version that gets released on a page now. I'd no, no. But I think bullshit. we should. We, I think we can say what the. Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, let's yeah. go. Count on one, one, two, three. Wait, well, we're gonna, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you do simultaneously. Yeah. Actually, let's try this. Let's see okay, how close. Right. Let's see how we all describe. Oh, no. the okay. group that we're playing, and then Anthony will describe <laughs> it for real. Freddie's editing this goes no, <laughs> but we're doing it All right. Okay. Three. One, two, three. We're playing our parents' grandkids. grandkids. We're playing teen grandkids. We're skipping one generation. <laughs> oh, boy. We're skipping one generation, and we're going to be playing the kids of the kids in the show. Yeah. yeah. So Lark and Sparrow and Grant and Terry and little Nikki, their kids are going to be the player characters for next season. They're the dads now. Those characters are precious to Anthony. He refused to let us play them. He said, he said, yeah, Terry, they're mine. Yeah. But that's in the future. Let's talk. And that's playing happened. a daughter. I am. I'm playing a left-handed woman now. <laughs> <laughs> Very rage. brave. Which is great because we get to blame the second season being bad just on that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is an episode that's about not just the finale, but sort of the series as a whole. And something that we do on each episode of Talking Dad is like, hey, what was your favorite moment of the episode? Which I want to do, but I think also we can open it up to like, do you have like a favorite moment or maybe a least favorite moment of the series or maybe Ooh, both? Like, well, so, I, I want, so just some little things I want to just lay out just because this was something I was thinking about today. We started this podcast in 2019. Yes. Mm. We pandemic. were talking about it in 2018, the end of 2018. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did a test for this show. About three years ago. After Trump's election, we said we need to do some brave political art. <laughs> so we, we need to do something about escaping to another world. And then what was crazy to me is half of this show was recorded during the pandemic remotely Ridiculous. and apart from each other, which is, boy, oh boy, what a, what a journey this has been. And then half yeah. of that time, Glenn was in a prison cell yeah. <laughs> separated from all the other characters. It's been a wild ride. So it I just want to throw been. that out there in terms of like, I mean, you know, we've all taken on various creative projects of various sizes and scales. This is definitely one of like the larger single contiguous ones, mm-hmm. right? This is the first one we've done that people gave a fuck about. Yeah. <laughs> people cared about Borderlands, Anthony. And Borderlands. No. People cared so much about it, they hate you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we never got That's that That's not good. why they hate me. <laughs> yeah, we're not even there yet on this podcast. You don't make it big till you got a real hate group. I mean, I'll just start with the, I don't want to think about the specifics of the show or my brain hasn't figured that out yet. My brain hasn't figured that out yet. I don't have a least or most favorite moment, but my least favorite moment in terms of like the process was definitely like the first time we had to record remotely. Yeah. Yeah. For a whole, as anybody could probably understand for a whole variety of reasons, like that was just a tough time of the year. And I definitely remember simultaneously being relieved that we had something that we could still do remotely, but just like, it really felt like the world was ending. Yeah. I saw in the discord and then on the Twitter, people are like, wow, you know, the show has helped me through something. I was like, you know what? This show helped us through some stuff too, because this was like our creative rock through the pandemic. That was like the old reliable Thing. And I, 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 I really, really took it for like granted it. during pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it was, especially nice being able to just see you guys and have a way to make myself laugh, like just to have a group of people that I loved hanging out with and just that we could go have fun uh, and then talk to the talking dads, but also just like the live listens and like feeling yeah. plugged into the community was like a big part of that. Like, again, we dropped 
Rocks Rock during. Oh my god, yeah, we did. We recorded and dropped Rocks Rock. Yeah, I, that was a little. I remember thinking, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I read that thing that was that people were like, well, you know, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during uh, quarantine for the. <laughs> You're plague. like, I could do better than the that. The plague, and then I literally like, I had the two weeks of feeling like completely miserable and freaked out. And then I was like, fucking rocks, rock shall be my King Lear. Like I had that thought to myself. I was like, I will, I'm going to throw myself at this because if I don't, I'm going to go crazy. And then Taylor Swift had to drop two albums. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was in a row. Fucked up. Yeah. All right. Come on. Did calm she down. drop? 30 episodes of a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. She's been just holding on to Taylor, that. If you're listening, we want you on the show. <laughs> Taylor, we know you're listening. What? You should name your character Taylor Swift next. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Oh, yes. Holy shit. Taylor Swift is so Fucking manifest that shit. You heard Olivia Munn manifest that shit. Shit, I'm going to just... I mean, yeah, you're my best friend now on the show. Oh, like, that's for sure. So my good. character's just going to love you. I can't, because I won't be able to say Taylor Swift without like smiling and wanting to be your friend. So Until you meet your nemesis, Katie Perry. <laughs> also, also a man. Letter K. Kyle Terry Perry. <laughs> it's been really wild to like enjoy something consistently over three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this has always been a thing where whatever else was going on, like the end of democracy slash the world, Knowing they're like, hey, once every two weeks, I get to like do this very weird thing with my friends and Beth. Like that's <laughs> like that's, that's like invaluable. Um, so if we could if we could have like if we could give you a little bit of that, like hey, every two weeks we get to listen to four funny people and Anthony um, uh, do some shit. Then I I, I, I hope. I hope we could do that for you because I got a lot of mess. I like my Instagram started being like, Hey, this person put you in a reel. This person put you in. I think it's just them thanking all of us for like the show or whatever. Don't thank us. Thank you for listening and being kind about that stuff. I mean, you should thank us. Cause we put on a pretty good show. Put on a pretty good show I think. <laughs> but thank you, you, you thank us just by listening. You don't have to ever thank yeah. us for anything by listening or Patreon. Actually, if you really want to thank us, Patreon is a fantastic way to do that. I always felt from episode one that we like had something. I didn't you know. I don't know if it was any good, but I remember the twist that you threw in there where it's like, okay, Grant's skin is going to be eaten, which is like so violent and like, so like <laughs> over the top, like a grotesque even. But I was like, Ooh, real consequences for us fucking around. Like, mm, I just felt like so happy with that. I remember just being on cloud nine. Now, now we recorded episode one. We had to, you know, we did the intro a couple of times to try and like settle into it a little bit to try yeah. and find a good way of just very concisely and quickly getting into everybody's character stories and getting into the sort of interpersonal relationships between the characters. But I remember very much being like, Oh yeah, there's something here. I felt very satisfied with that. I was very uh, happy that you were involved in this from the get go. Cause at no point during the beginning of this process was I like, this is actually a good idea. Like we, <laughs> Freddie and I were just hanging out one time and yeah. like, we were talking about, ha ha ha. What if, you know, uh, D and D archetypes were dad archetypes. And Freddie was like, that's a good idea. I'm like, is it? And then we started <laughs> doing the thing and he's like, we have something here. I was like, I don't think we do. I remember the first like six times Freddie explained the concept to me. I was like, so they, is it like, so they're dads and they play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, we're like, well, how do they have magic? They're dads. Like, it is a testament to Freddy's ability to pick one. Because I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, because, I mean, Freddy's isn't about a lot of ideas. So, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no, hold on. No, 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 no. That's, hold on. Hold on. Everything I think is a good idea is a good idea. No, it's I, the world that's wrong if I, they don't go. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm ready to back off from it. If, if it, it was a work. bad idea, then it was his good idea to call it a bad idea. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Here's what's a good idea. Knowing when to stop. <laughs> that's true. Honestly, out of all of the things in the episode, getting a little tiny Stud Stampler cameo was my oh favorite. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Man. On the main Stud's feed. Great. 
So actually just like backtracking a little bit, just because you guys are all saying important stuff about the show as a whole. I feel like, I don't know, I've had a lot of jobs and I've had a lot of stuff that I've worked on. And compared to every other thing that I've worked on and gotten money for, I'll make that caveat, is that even when this was hard or frustrating or even if I felt shitty about myself or something or whatever, the job never sucked. And that's like way more than I can say about anything else that I've ever uh, been a part of. This episode was interesting because it's, you know, our first two-parter and we got him, got him with the, with the. That was a Beth special, right? That was Beth special. Parts of that. Cause it was also Beth had the dad joke was your idea too. Yeah. So all of the stuff that got guessed, but you know, I feel like it's an honor to get guessed by. If something gets guessed, it just means that like it made sense and therefore was good. That's what I take it as. I thought it was a good cross section of like, I think all the little bits and bobs that I like about the show. It's combat that gets kind of, you know, undercut by something clever. It's weird character things that kind of go off to the side, you know, and I thought it was, you know, just sort of a fun, entertaining sort of way to to get everyone back together. I remember the record for this one was the longest record we ever did. This was one of the funniest things ever because I was like, Oh boy, this record took six hours, and then we hear from our friends who are like, "Oh uh, yeah, that's a typical D and D session. That's, right? a light, that's a light, a session light session D and D. How? But you know, it's a little bit different. Obviously, if you have like miniatures and you're not trying. But to also, because I was but... thinking about that, but yeah, I, I thought the feeling of it was weird. It's fun listening back to it. One, it's been so long since we recorded it, and then two, I do think this is one where not to say it wasn't fun to record, but it was definitely <laughs> it was not fun to record. But <laughs> because it wasn't just six hours, because that's like one thing. It's like oh, six hours. No, no, no. It was three days with a lot of recording, like like many hours each. And in between that time, it was also like it reminded me of like a film shoot where yeah. like we're just so exhausted that it didn't feel like the end. Like you'd be like, oh, it's fun. Like we had like Beth posted those nice pictures of us. But like you can see how wiped we are. It those was like one o'clock. <laughs> like there was no like real. It was like, hey, good, good job, everybody. Like we we did it. And then like go home. It's just exhausted. Like it was honestly like listening back to it this time. That's like when I finally was like, oh, shit, it's over. Yeah. It, like, edited like, down it really kind of hit me like. Yeah. Not till now that like it was actually like yeah. the end. To talk a little bit, just very briefly, for those of you who don't know, for the recording process, we basically it was everything from five episodes. We're all did together. we do five episodes? What? I thought we did including four. this two parter, so four. Oh. But yes, five complete oh episodes God, were done. In the five batch. episodes. So basically, we rented an Airbnb to do basically a ginormous batch record. Normally, we record once every two weeks, but we were like, we're gonna do a big run of these because we thought that like this ending is gonna be gigantic. We're gonna want to kind of have the momentum of it. Also, um, like three of us are disappearing on a film shoot for like two yeah, months. So, so it was like, yeah, we wanted to get a lot of that stuff in the yeah. can, so to speak. So you guys could have the bandwidth to do that. So we just go to the yeah, end. This is a little, little scattershot, really but yeah. this, you know how it so goes. So I, in contrast to what Freddie was saying, I fucking hate this episode, generally speaking. Um, or I did. I did until, I don't want to say it was talked down from the ledge, but basically my experience having finished DMing, you know, all of the stuff that we did that weekend, I was like, I fucked that up so bad. Oh, that makes me so sad to hear. No, no, no. It's not like it made me upset. I was just like, oh, well, you know, it's the next thing to try to fix in going forward. For me, like the ideal finale in terms of a big fight, like what you want out of a big fight, or at least what I want out of a big fight is people you care about getting really, really close to death or dying and like really big dramatic moments. And like, oh shit, you know, it's Independence Day does a great job of this where it's like, cool. All we got to do is get the shields down. Oh fuck, why aren't the shields down? Okay, cool, they're down. Now we just got to fire missiles at it until it goes down. Oh fuck, it's not going down. And we're out of missiles. Oh, well, one guy has a missile. Thank God. Wait, it's the drunk guy. Oh, okay, well, he's not drunk right now. Oh shit, wait, but he won't fire from his thing. Like there's all these like- I'm drunk, you got to finish the scene. I'm on the edge of my seat. Holy shit. Uh, And then he says, up yours and it's fun. 
we didn't have any of that. Everything you did worked the first time and everything was great and everything was totally smooth and like just purely from a game designy D&D session like setting ups up and downs set there's standpoint. no ups and downs it's all ups everything goes perfectly according to plan which to me makes it dramatically inert and kind of suck the thing that makes the episode as a whole work for me though which uh, i think will may be more aware of in our discord chats afterward was like the fact that everything being sunshine and roses during the fight contrasts really well against like the literal end of the world in the epilogue and so i'm like i have come to peace with the <laughs> finale itself as an episode but i still think like if we ever do do a big fight at the end again, I want it to be, you know, serenity. There's a sense of anxiety that I knew I went into this like batch record with that. I, I think you actually scared me too good. I think, <laughs> I think that like, yeah, I scared I, you into learning D and mean, in narrative storytelling that you're like controlling, you have some sort of sense of like how close to the sun you can get. But like with this, it's That's like a really good metaphor. Okay. Actually the only time I've ever like, cheated on a role and this wasn't even cheating go really. on oh once you admit um, it once we were all knocked prone that one time and i knew that i could do uncanny dodge to half the damage but i had had no damage by that point so i was like yeah no i'm knocked prone and i get 17 damage or something wait you lied you cheated to you do lied more to make it worse to juice yes. it wow. oh that's better okay. yeah, that's yeah, awesome yeah. um <laughs> That's great. It's because you wanted to use a D&D &D ability. That, that's how well, you know we weren't in real danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, yeah. So it's like, I think we're all being so careful to just get out alive and to make things like yeah. work well yeah, I think that we've kind of let some of the other larger suspense maybe. I honestly thought like just as an episode, like I thought pretty much in between mommy's arriving and us having our scene with our wives. Like that part kind of drags, which is us trying to pierce. Just, yeah, because there's just but, a bunch of people trying to put a yeah. bracelet on a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Like, oh my god, that was so frustrating. Imagine if the fucking yeah. if the climax of Star Wars was just Luke <laughs> trying to like ear, Do pierce the Darth same Vader's thing ear a bunch of times. <laughs> but, but yeah. Imagine Luke, imagine Luke shoots. 20 torpedoes <laughs> and the first 18 miss and then you're just listening and be like damn it <laughs> this will sound weird for a second but it's like the same problem i think that rom-coms or comedies have in general which is like the third acts often suck or they just feel so different because like once you get close to the end like the demands of the ending of a satisfying narrative often are like counter to like what you're there for in the first place, especially like straightforward, goofy comedies. It's like you're watching like Pineapple Express, like, yeah, this is funny. And then it's like, well, then it's gotta be dramatic. And then it's like ignores everything that was fun about it beforehand. So like D&D is fun because you don't know what's going to happen. But then like endings have this finality. So like your disappointment is still just down to like the dice rolls. Like, yeah, it could have gone better. And like, if it wasn't the ending, you wouldn't think anything of it. Be like, oh, that combat could have gone better. It could have been more interesting or whatever it is. But like what you set up in terms of like the conflict, in terms of like the three dads are there, we got to get our kids out. There's like the portal, like all that stuff was like really exciting. And then like, you know, how much specific narrative elements it's up to the dice roll or you make them not up to the dice roll and then it doesn't feel like D&D &D anymore. There's a middle space though, which is yeah. like, yeah, there's die rolls, but it's like, I also could have just not let you roll the die to try to throw the grenade out of the van type stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff I was doing by just DM Fiat that somebody in the discord put it pretty well where they're like, Anthony is the dad who's like, Hey guys, I'm serious this time. I'm everybody goes to bed early and the 30 minutes they're all eating pizza and watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like yeah. I couldn't be as mean as I wanted to be. It could be just as redundant because like me getting blown up or whatever could have turned into just another gameplay loop of us trying to get something pierced That's through the true. ear. Like yeah. you never know That's like fair. what's going to happen. That's I also think it's weird. I don't know why this has kind of just hit me, but in fiction, we love watching our favorite characters like fuck up they mm -hmm. make the wrong choices and stuff like that but then i think that there's this element of listening to people play D D, or you want 
them as players. You want us as players to do a good job. It's at like a it. sport at that point, right? Yeah. Like it, in a weird way, D and D has this almost sport element because you're rooting for characters in the way knowing that there's an element of this that's not written knowing that yeah, there's, there's, there's rooting for what control. happens to the character but there's also like rooting for the player to play the game well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so there's this weird kind of sport elements so that the characters are beyond just fictional characters they are players in this framework and in that context you want them to do well but then the problem is if they just continually do well there's actually nothing interesting about that i mean i think one of the biggest takeaways for me from just the show as a whole is how interesting a storytelling medium D&D is. It is kind of a way of exploring a narrative space, exploring a character space in a way that generally writing fiction just doesn't touch because all of you folks are in the room, right? Like mm-hmm. we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but you know, one of the people in the room is working against you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's actively antagonistic. And what you want and you might have in your head this really perfect narrative of like, oh, this is like, I want to talk a little bit about this, which was what were my thoughts for Glenn at different stages throughout this yes, show? Definitely. Oh, yeah, go for it, you know? Yeah. So like what was cool was just having that shift all the time. Like I had had thoughts prior to Glenn's courtroom arc. And by the way, someone had done the math on that. And it's staggering to consider how many different directions this show could have gone. Like if I could have a, like a reality bending time machine thing, one thing that I would love to see just out of selfish curiosity is where would this show have gone if the pandemic didn't happen? Mm. Like, what would have happened if we were still recording in person through that pivotal middle part? And then very specifically, someone had done the math on this on the subreddit. Glenn, based on the roles there for his trial, was more likely to have been getting a not guilty verdict based on that, right? So there was a bad role. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bad yeah. role there. So it's like, it okay. was a lot of bad roles. I, I think when you rolled for your defense, you never got a number that was above a 10. Yeah. Wait, so, could you imagine like Marvel's what if, but not if the pandemic didn't happen, but what if the pandemic didn't happen for this one podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Dungeons & Dice is brought to you this week by Rocket Money. Listen, you have subscriptions that you forgot about. I guarantee you, you have subscriptions that you're paying for. You're paying for every month that you don't even use anymore. Or sometimes you sign up for something and you sign up for something and the, the day later you don't even realize it. Rocket Money can cancel those subscriptions for you in a single click. And they'll even help negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. You just submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. Rocket Money, for those of you who don't know, personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place with one tap. And if you see something you don't want, you just help cancel it just by tapping your fingers. And their dashboard shows you monthly spending compared to last month so you can see where your habits are, see how you're doing, see how the trend lines are going. They can help you create a custom budget and keep your spending on track. Rocket Money is over 5 million users and saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash daddies. That's rocketmoney.com slash daddies, rocketmoney.com slash daddies. Dungeons and Daddies is brought to you this week by KiwiCo. It's time. Kiwico. It's summertime. 
You ever do outdoor stuff in the summer? I would ride bikes. No, I've never gone no, outside. I've never gone. What, well, uh, not, in, not in Phoenix. Yeah. Did you bike ride when you were like out in the summer or would you just bake? So when I was in Tucson, when I was like bike riding age and yeah, we would just bake alive. The asphalt was so hot. And then by the time I was in Phoenix, I was in college, you know, who rides bikes? I do to get to class and yeah. to get to other places. And it was very hot. Yes. So okay. KiwiCo is inviting kids and kids at heart to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. Ooh. Kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks with enriching content and fun activities to accompany each project. They have something for everyone and they offer different topics for each age, whether your child wants to explore space Hell or learn yeah. about dinosaurs yes. or learn about how dinosaurs were killed by an object from oh space. My God. I do have to say, looking at the KiwiCo website, there is a physics project for kids age five and up that is pinball? Are you freaking kidding Yo, me? I'm looking at this marble oh, roller coaster. KiwiCo encourages kids to get outside, explore, and to stay off their screens. Awesome projects from the Summer Adventure Series like the Bottle Rocket Kit, where you build an actual bottle rocket, but not the kind that you light with a lighter. Help to turn the outdoors into a playground of learning and fun. And, and Matt, as the parent in the room here. Yeah. Keeping your kid busy and creatively challenged. Constant struggle. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to avoid those screens. Then you got it. That's you the problem is that screens made them. Oh my it's God. A really screens easy make it way. so easy, but you want to avoid those screens. So you got to come up with fun stuff to do activities well, and like, look, you got a whole range, but you know how like you think you're prepared and you've got like a whole list of things. You're like these activities this is going to last until my kids in college. No, you were now them by like age no. four. Kiwico does like, that, like, all the marshmallows with no. toothpicks and all the all the like make your own water. But I've done all these things. Kiwico's doing that legwork for you, so you can spend quality time just tackling the projects together. It must be nice, Matt, to be able to do these and just be like, I don't have to think; I can just play with do it. it. Convenient, personalized. You'll receive either all your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. Build the best summer ever with Kiwico. Get twenty percent off on your summer adventure series at kiwico.com/slash/summerdaddies. That's the best code we've gotten That's so really far. Good. That's really Twenty percent off your summer adventure at kiwi k-i-w-i-c-o dot com slash summer daddies one word summer daddies so like i had had plans for glenn in terms of just like oh here's how i might want to explore this like i think for i'm trying to think of the specifics so like to me i think one of the endings that i had had in my head early on which of course did not come to pass because you know the narrative shifted underneath my feet but i was like oh i think that glenn's ending is confronting the death of Morgan with his kid with Nick and like the end scene in my head was them going to like visit her grave I want to set up that he had not gone back to it or like was avoiding it visiting it with Nick and then the end of that was him being like you know what let's go let's go to Universal like that would be like the dumb character like my yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cute. of the, of the yeah. little cute character growth which was playing the idea that it's like, oh yeah, he's come to meet Nick halfway and has come to, you know, sort of confront some of the parts about him. And, you know, hey, the dice do what the dice does. And we got what we got. And I'm very happy with the way that Glenn's arc went. I think it's really satisfying. I'm very happy with the the Christianity joke, which, you know, I just crack up every single time I think about because I'm fucking I'm also very happy with the Christianity joke. There's a thing you hit on a good, not paradox, I don't know what to say, but like the conflict of playing and doing storytelling is like, for Daryl, I was very much like coming into this, like more like an actor being like, it's not in my control. Like it's Anthony. Like I don't want to think ahead of time because I think as a storyteller, you're thinking about what's most interesting for the story. So your motivation often should be running counter to what a character motivation is. Like the person who's writing Frodo has a different want for Frodo than Frodo. And I want to only think about what Daryl wants. wants. Like yeah, Daryl is one of the things you're really good at. Like Daryl wants something. Whereas like guy. the yeah. more accurate thing as a story, we're like, well, I, as a writer want Daryl to like, 
you know, have a bittersweet thing and like suffer and like do this. But like in the moment, like I want to be like Daryl. So it's like, I never really quite really thought of it until you were saying it like that. But it's like, as a writer, you, your motivation is one thing. And as a character, your motivation is the other. So like, I feel oh, like a lot of this is yeah. just like a balance. So you didn't have the same kind of experience Freddie had of like, I have a, a long-term ending. No, I, didn't I, I never like thought about what like. Matt, Matt was really interesting because I remember talking to him about some of this stuff and, you know, just sort of like kicking some ideas around. And like, I was asking him about sort of his prep and he was like, I do not want to be thinking about this show until we are, I'm sitting in front of the microphone that's and we're cool. starting the intro and then I'm in the show and that's where I'm going to react to, which I thought was, a, again, totally works. I mean, that's why Daryl doesn't do as much. Like, I, don't well, know. I think it's actually, I think we have a good balance of different approaches because mm-hmm. I think like the- Because Will will send me anxious texts on the weekend being like, what about this for, for Henry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I backseat DM fucking Anthony all the time. Like I remember doing like the most stressful part of the campaign for me was during when like the Glenn stuff. Mm. We broke the pattern completely where every other dad had like three, four episodes to get your little time and then, you know, we're going to move. And it was like we had the trial and then the trial turned into the Jody thing, which was still kind of the Glenn thing. And then we had to go get Glenn and then it was like this whole- and and I was like, how the fuck are we going to write Jimmy yeah, off of the show? Yeah, Glenn like, hogged the arc for sure. So I was like, it was just keeping me up at night. I'm anxious. I'm a, I can't help but try to break the story. So I was sending Anthony fucking texts all the time. He was very patient about putting <laughs> up with me. Being like, what about this, that, or the other? A little sneak peek of Fetch Quest for a second, mm-hmm. because this is what it made me think of. Like playing with all Which we've already you, recorded. Just which we've already recorded. Because mm-hmm. it was interesting being on the other side of the table and seeing how you guys are as players in terms of like how you're feeling out your character, what you're doing. And one thing that I like... Anthony had this moment where like I was laying out a plot thread and then like you were in your doggo mode. Like you were like, but it's like, I could see another writer brain at work being like, Oh yeah, I'm going to pick this thing up and play with it as my character to help Will move the story along. I was like, Oh, thank you. Thank you so fucking much. I was like, oh my God, if we, it's like, I, cause it's like, you want that get, I don't know. I just think to me, the classic moment of this is, um, when we go back to Neverwinter mm-hmm. with the pyramid, Anthony has set up the, the pyramid is where like the fucking mommy twist happens. There's like the whole, like you got to go back and face what yeah. you did. And we get to the gate and it's like this very hard moment. Cause it's like David Boreanaz wants the dads to come in and face their crimes or whatever. And then Daryl's reaction is very much like, fuck no. Like I'm not doing that. Like I'm out of here. <laughs> like, absolutely not. We have to save our kids, which is totally natural. And then like, for me, as Henry, there was a bit in my head where I was like, I could totally justify Henry being like, no, I'm not going to, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. agree with Daryl and just leave. But, like, I was thinking, like, I really want to see what's in that fucking pyramid. Like, as a player, wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. So I made this move with Henry to make it about something else where it's like he feels guilty. Oh, that's interesting. He feels like, oh. It felt very of his character. It didn't yeah. feel like you were, yeah. like, metagaming I was all. walking into that. And actually, that was the reason I set up, I think I have the dad fact about the parrot at the beginning and the parrot getting killed. And like his sort of guilt over mm-hmm. that happening. And it was like, even then I was thinking like, oh, maybe this will be something that can come back mm-hmm. when they talk about the pyramid. There was kind of a positional move. And then it leads to this ginormous blow up between Henry and Daryl. Like it was this big irresistible mm-hmm. force meets a movable object moment, which was really intense. But I think it was good drama. Like I texted Matt afterwards. I felt really bad yelling at him. Wow, character. really? Yeah. I was like, I felt awful afterwards because it was like it was one of those things where it was like 90 percent Henry and Daryl. But it was 10 percent Will and Matt. <laughs> being frustrated. Oh so like the, I was like, are we OK? <laughs> like, Which like, I think a lot of the listeners picked up. And they're yeah, like, I don't like, oh, this, this is bad was, energy. Yeah, this is a little real. But I remember like, that episode, too, because I think that was the episode where I had Ron just like walk away. from Yes, the group. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, which I, is my that, favorite thing that you do. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that again, like that. That was, 
I don't even know when we recorded that, but I, I would say that my approach has changed a lot and oh, I'm, I'm actually trying to get back to maybe my original approach thinking about season hmm. two where it's like, yeah, like Matt, I came in and I'm just like, I am not going to think ahead of myself. I'm not going to interrogate like the character. I'm just going to fucking feel it out and then see what the room needs at the time or whatever. And then I feel like as I became a little more confident, you know, just as a, as a performer and then as a writer, especially just like doing this with you guys for a couple of years, I think I was able to see the machinery working in a way that I wasn't able to before mm. and prepare more of the writing elements of Ron's sort of arc. Although I never really thought about like what the end of it would look like mm. for him. But I definitely felt that during like the last chunk, I found myself thinking way more in writer brain and in terms oh, of like yeah. in satisfaction of the mm -hmm. arc and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that's chill with that, proud of like how it all ended up. But there's like a part of me that kind of really wants to prioritize being a little bit more um, more in the moment about stuff like that. Because I, you know, again, thinking about that conversation with the pyramid and stuff like that, I was really bored. <laughs> and I think that I think that Ron would be bored too. And so it was just like I've I don't know. You it, definitely a hundred percent made the right call for the finale though, because it's like we know we're wrapping up, and so you going into writer mode so that like you know the cool thing that Ron is going to say to his father when he gets rid of yeah. himself. Yeah, like I think it elevates, doesn't yeah, it? Doesn't hurt different. the moment because you feel not only yourself but Ron the character getting confident in a way that feels like a really satisfying culmination of my oh, art. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, even yeah. in a meta sense, like I think my favorite part of this episode is like. So if you've seen um, Edge of Tomorrow and or Live, Die, Repeat, it's a Groundhog Day movie. And every loop, uh, the first thing that happens is Tom Cruise wakes up with a guy kicking him and going, get up, maggot, and like looking at him like he's a piece of shit. And then like 90% of the way through the movie, he's been through so much shit. And he's feeling existentially like completely changed. He's a different person on the inside that the guy kicks him and goes, get up. And then like Tom Cruise just like, gives him this fucking look and he like silences him. And it's like, oh, my God, this guy has changed. That exact moment was Beth saying, I'm going to use my uncanny dodge. And like, there's, <laughs> there's, there's something in the confidence that the way that Beth says it, I'm like, this is a different person. Like, it felt like I've never felt a character arc in my soul in the same way that I did when Beth like has that confidence for playing D&D. &D. And there's a part of my, there's a part of my innocence that I crave and I want back. So I <laughs> Honestly, I think one of the things that's great about this, just as a, creative thing for me is just like you get into cycles and this was something different like I haven't done like a podcast and I haven't like done acting before and like when you get struggle over something over and over again it's nice to break free of it I think it's natural like as we get farther along and we're approaching the ending obviously there's more of our character that we've already developed so we kind of know you know essentially when it got to my arc like I more or less would think about it I probably texted Anthony like once per arc I was like hey I know I'm gonna be talking to Grant soon like what do you need to know about Frank you know it's like I know we're approaching this so like obviously like as I got to like something that I knew was gonna be about Daryl There'd be like things that I just wanted to make sure I internalized and knew. But like, I think it's good as we start season two to like not be in like that yeah, rider mindset 100%. as much because I think that the magic of it is that we had no idea what the fuck we were doing and you let yeah. the game create it. And most of it's just like, I feel like I'm often like overbearing. So like, I was just telling myself to like trust Anthony. Like, this is Anthony's story. I will be the character in Anthony's story and do like the thing and not like try to. Is tactics versus strategy. And it's natural, too, because, right, it's the arc of a narrative. When something starts, the possibilities are infinite, right? And I remember very much feeling like that sometimes, where there's so many iconic aspects of the show that were just digressions, right? Payton and Bullywugs was... Oh, my God, yeah. Right, like, the joke of there is, like, what if there's, like, a Applebee's or a Chili's in this world? Which is a total fucking ridiculous, stupid lark, yeah. right? And as you approach an ending... It's not that it's you don't still have possibilities, but the feeling is that, okay, doors are closing. 
possibilities mm-hmm. are closing, right? You're approaching an endpoint. So naturally you're starting the realm, the web of possibilities gets narrowed down. You're heading towards an endpoint. So I think that is something to keep in mind, which is just when we start again, we will once again are it's in a worse, world yeah. of whatever the fuck interests us or that we find funny. In that case, we're in a good situation because we already recorded a test for the next season to see like, you know, do these characters work? Or do they bounce off each other? And That's they terrible. were like, it was ah! fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that we're already like, Ooh, and feeling a little bit uncomfortable is I think probably it's a good place a to be, thing. honestly. I yeah. think. Yeah. Because I, I was doing all this work and all this stuff trying to do prep for season two. And then I went back in the process of coming up on the big anniversary of like the three years we've been doing the show or whatever. I went back and saw like, what was the prep I did for season one? And it was like, <laughs> not a lot of very little. And most of it was playing off of like riffs that you guys did. Again, Bullywogs, Payton, the Blood Pact was just like in the moment Daryl being so confident at the way he could lie about this and be like, okay, well it's fun to just say fuck you and then make it a thing that you have to deal with. Yeah. So I, my hope is that we can be a lot more on our toes and a lot funnier and getting back to that. Honestly, I think that was one of the things I learned not to bring it back to fetch quest again. I just, I'll stop doing this, but the, um, as a fellow DM, I've done three episodes of this show because it was a one shot. I was like, I pretty much baked the whole thing going in. Mm-hmm. Like I had a plan for every, basically everything you guys did. And like, I would love to do, even a one shot where that wasn't the start. Like it was like, I'm going to have one thing planned and fucking figure it out from there. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I think the, it's a rookie DM thing to want to really over prepare. That's you told me that after the first day, it's like, you're going to do this for the first one. And then like, you're going to want to never do this again. I was like, that's very true. But um, I agree with you. I think actually like having the core concept, figuring out what the core concept is, figuring out everyone. Again, I think it's basically just coming up with a character that you feel like you can have fun playing with for, you know, a, a good run. And then go from there and yeah. just keep it loose, I think, is a great idea. I was going to yeah. say, you don't want to do the DC mistake, but almost everybody's mistake since Avengers, which is like, everybody's like, I want to do the Avengers. And they forget, like, it took a lot of smaller movies to get to the Avengers. So, like, I think you get this high. Like, honestly, we all love, like, fucking going through, like, Ron's, you know, past. Memories. And all yeah, these yeah, are all yeah. these, like, high moments. So then the instinct is, like, season two is like, ooh, all right, get to that high moment. It's like, no, that high moment takes Three 50 years, episodes yeah. of fucking around yeah. and like building the characters and doing all that fun stuff. Like, I feel like once you get that high, you try to start that high against like everybody after the Avengers, like, great, we're just going to do the mummy. It's going to be the universal like France. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like, you got to start Avengers, over, which is hard. You got to start Avengers over. Parallel is even wilder. Cause like, where did that come from? It came from Iron Man, a movie that was like 45% improvised on the day. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and was all pretty much just a comedy and like, whoops, turns out that's really charming and fun if you do it correctly. Like, yeah. And yeah. one at a time. And yeah. it's also like, this is probably some scientific principle or something, but like by observing something, you change it. And I think by knowing that you're observed as a performer, you that's, accidentally. That's yeah, true. That's crazy. That's like a totally new scientific I idea. I don't like you at all. <laughs> Damn. So it's the may uncertainty principle is I think uh, what we'll call it. But um, Cat may be there. It may not be. It may there. be yeah. there. <laughs> Basically. Once we all sold out and I got a bunch of followers on Twitter, then I Game lost over. all of the magic that made me special in the first place. And that's my art. That's your art. It's yeah. your cross to bear. That's my devastating cross to bear. I think that's what's going to be fun about playing like teens. They're like It's already nerve wracking because it's so like, fucking you're like terrified. holding, you're like, you, yeah, there's just, I can't really rest on a lot of the It's like, funny because I'm, I'm not a dad. I was like, I'm playing dad. No problem. I, like, <laughs> I was he's a teenager, but I'm like, how am I going to be a teen? I'm a 35 year old man. What am I doing? That trick is we all were teens once. So. I know. That's yeah. right. I, I went back, back and I, I was like, I'm going to read my old high school journal. Did you? Oh yeah. my God. I booted it up and I got a page in. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to read some of it because I was like, I 
journaled pretty much every day. Whoa. Oh, like, that's ju- so cool. Junior year, senior year, and then I started petering out during college. But I'm so glad I did because it oh, is wow. like this fascinating document to look at. Like, I was so horny and so frustrated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like angry that I didn't have a girlfriend. And it was either that or me talking about video games. So it's like, <laughs> Holy you know, shit. But uh, anyway. Man, I, I got to go find some of my old fanfic. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I've also, shown mine. You need to show yours. Yeah, I do. Even recording Fetch Quest and then these other miniseries and stuff like that, I think that I come to expect a certain amount of quality or whatever from whatever we do with Dungeons and Daddies to transfer over. And I forget that, you know, like it does, but it, it takes a second. It takes mm-hmm. a second to, to find it. So I think what we have is really special. It's just we just naturally have a very good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Matt, Will and Freddie have worked together for a really, really long time. I knew you guys for, you know, a couple of years where we were going to rock it up the show. Beth, did you know any of these folks before we started doing stuff? I went to a bunch of parties over at your sister's house and Freddie was there a few times. So right. Yeah. Like I am constantly flabbergasted by how much we lucked out at the fact that you and I and have melded with these three that have melded with each other and like all of our guest stars and all that kind of stuff. You know what's funny? I'll let you guys in on something behind the scenes right now. All of us have great chemistry together. Anthony and I have zero chemistry one-on-one. It's totally like, <laughs> Anthony will go and open the door and you'll be like, hey, and then he'll come in and then we walk up the stairs to Freddy's door in silence. <laughs> That's not true. That's, this time, this time I said, silence. this time I said, everybody. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's hard to do that. I complimented his pants because I didn't even know what to talk about the last time he let me. I was like, I love oh your pants. And well, the last like, time he did and he did that, I was like, oh, so Will doesn't like my pants. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> Oh, no. no, but it's fine. It's we literally, it's just a function of that stairwell because when we bring people up into, the, into Freddy's room, there's a small stairwell that's not long enough to have not an actual long conversation about conversation. And there yeah. was a real conversation going on in Freddy's apartment next to the stairwell. So, like, I can't start a proper conversation because then we're going to have to stop and we. It's a function of the stairwell. I'm just going to leave Will fucking hanging for 15 exclusions. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, I, literally, I answered the door and I was like, hey, Freddy's playing piano in there. And Will went, oh. Yeah, so you got to talk about oh, someone real else. Real chemistry you know? doesn't matter, though. It's yeah, just about it the chemistry matter. here. It's fine. We've done uh, ad reads that were fine. That's I mean, I like, knew we were... Just, just Will and yeah. I did them. They were okay. They were all right. I, I knew we were going to be fine because Anthony was a fellow guardian for a while, so I knew yeah, our yeah, chemistry was great. Beth, I wasn't sure about, but then, like, you know, pretty much after the first bite, I was like, oh, great. Like, that's awesome. Beth was on Story Break a couple of times yeah. before we did Dungeons yeah. & Daddies. It's like, oh, she's fantastic. Yeah, I didn't know you were on before Dungeons & Daddies. I was. Oh, that's where I was like, she's a fan of our stuff, so that's how I know. Uh, we'll work well together. Um, <laughs> she worships the ground I walk uh, on. Yes. Yeah. I was on an episode of Story Break that I am more proud of than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and you read, you were like at our agency with yeah. VJ. Like she read the oh, yeah. first you guys know about VJ this? Chess. You guys know about like the VJS world. connection? No. Okay. So I was interning at your guys' agency. It used to be called the collective. The collective. management company, right? It was a management company, company. Yeah, yeah. When they were first, like, introducing me to their clients or whatever, it was just a bunch of, like... Cool bros. It was a bunch of cool bros. And Thank then you. I read a few scripts for VGHS, and I loved it. And then one of my last weekends in L.A. before I went back to college, I was, like, on some sort of, like, promo shoot or something in Burbank, and you guys were there. Wait, really? Yeah. I didn't know this. I just know that you read the script. So we, like... We're in the same room at some point. Yeah. I didn't think about it again until I met Freddie like later. And I was like, oh, dang. Oh, dang. I was there. That guy was an asshole when I met him. That guy was a total ass. No. Can we talk about our favorite bits from the season? Please do. Yeah. Yes. So uh, for me, let me start. It's Beth's double throat singing <laughs> Silent Night. Good choice. So here's a couple of things that happened there that I realized. One. 
the Christmas music zag, because originally Glenn wasn't a Christmas music cover band. Is that where it happened? Y- yeah, Holy around shit. there was Whoa. when we I were forgot like, about that. Because originally it's forever a thing. No, you know? because that was the only thing that I could sing with my dumb voice. Right. And then after her, I was like, oh, it'd be funny if, if Glenn that gets was why showed you got up. Upset. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, oh, that's much funnier. Fuck, that's and then, crazy. So that's special. Because originally it was that, as far as Glenn was concerned, he's in a cover band. If I could change one thing about this show, I would have gone back and done dumb dad jokes and like puns that we eventually landed on for every title. Like, I think we started off our titles like a little too serious. Mm -hmm. And then there was a moment where I was like, is there a world where every title is like the title of a dad rock song, which is obviously very, very restricting. But like, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I was like looking around at like dad rock playlists on Spotify, see if there's like any titles of songs that match. So that was as far as Glenn went. It was cover band rock and roll guy Mm -hmm. and then after that particular episode i was like this specific specificity which was like i think really cool and also it's just something i think to even keep in mind which is these big character details you don't have to have it baked that's true that's until the moment you're right like it was one of those ones where like even the flip of oh glenn secretly djs right is another Mm -hmm. one that was not part of it from the beginning which then in retrospect makes certain things really weird and funny like the idea then that he would like is so against that yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that he would you know let the jewels go because he doesn't want to be the Linkin Park cover man DJ during the whole scam likely bit so that particular episode was probably the first one where there was like a real significant amount of time spent in the sound design and music side mm-hmm. of it to land that beat specifically to you know, to have that. And like, I remember Beth, right? You came over. It's actually one of our first Patreon video bonuses. I think it's like oh, the yeah. first yeah. video bonus, yeah. which was yeah. the video recording of Beth coming over to do just for that little blip of a track on there. And, you know, I think that prior I'd done like some music stuff here and there for, you know, like the YouTube videos or friends movies and stuff like that. And always I've liked doing it. Like I have all the software for it. It's just not something that, you know, like I have you know, it's not like my full-on mm-hmm. career. I don't, I'm not focused on music composition. So I was like, oh, cool. Every time I get a chance to flex those muscles, I really enjoy. And I remember putting it all together and like timing it out. And that was a really weird specific one because like we're going off a recording and then we're going to use a song that we record and the tempo needs to fit. That's just sound good enough that you buy that the crowd is blown away by it. And then yeah. we need, yeah, because yeah. we're, we're playing a game. So it's not like an audio drama where it's like Anthony's a narrator of a book reading a thing. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's like, we're laughing at jokes and stuff. And so it was got really detailed in terms of like, oh, what am I cutting out with the jokes so that the timing fits all this stuff. But I remember having that hit and then playing for it and just like cracking up by myself in my place just because I was like, it's such a weird zag that this natural 20, maybe the most consequential natural 20 for the show and at that moment in time. It was electrifying in the room yeah. when you got the natural 20. I, I remember screaming. You were like, yeah. I got natural 20. It was like, oh, it was also one of those ones where it was like, it's fucking Glenn's arc. Yeah, and yeah. The, the whole yeah. scene is being set up That's for Glenn so to play a song with yeah. his fucking son. And then Ron can come up with this stupid plan with two bands and this whole fucking thing. And we're like, we're going to go be bad so that you guys look good. <laughs> look good. Yeah. And then Ron fucking this, stages Glenn. And then, yeah, so it becoming one of the iconic Ron moments to then you guys run away and go to Bullywugs. Like it yeah. was such a. And yeah. that's where we find Payton. Yeah, oh, man. That, that oh, wow. Also, yeah, it led to Payton. Yeah. And that also has Will's first check, please. That Fucking oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I think actually that's my favorite stinger ending out of all the, the endings one. is yeah. check please. That was just such a hacky joke. But, but, like, no, but that's I the ultimate thing is to do the hack knew, at the best. Like, yeah. That's when we knew we were allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it was true. also literally like, how often do you actually get the opportunity to do the check please joke at a restaurant when they're all <laughs> sitting down? That was like, I was like, oh my God. I have to say it before someone else does. I will say that without check please, there would have never been a who's your dad yes, now. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. There started to be a bit of 
it was like, oh, the stinger joke is like a thing. And then it felt like there was definitely like a bit of who's like, going to get the last joke yeah. now. Yeah. I felt like it was like, what's like really good. And then like every movie tries to copy it. There's like a moment where it felt like every episode like should have ended. But then like we were all kind of like, can we just have like a serious ending? It's fine to just like end on a cliffhanger. And then it would be like just me <laughs> being the most toxic person ever. Like, well, my stinger was funnier. I don't know why I got cut. <laughs> Looks like I'm not in the Easter egg either. Looks like it's just some dumb conversation. <laughs> the number of times with like during that era of like episodes 10 to 40 where like people would all make like end jokes and be like, do we have an ending? I'm like, yeah, those were all very funny. What put a stop to the zinger era was the episode that ends with Ron asking Willie, do you love me? And then Anthony <laughs> just be like, you wake up. And I was like, shit, that's even better. And that's when the sad boy Uh-oh. series of Dungeons and Daddies ending started. <laughs> yeah, that's when you know the show stops being fun. <laughs> the funniest I've ever felt was being like, oh my God, I've set up a Disney joke. That's why I avoid non-Disney Oh rides. yeah, that was also, that was, was a like, killer one. It was maybe the highest two minutes of my life being like, I have the strongest joke. <laughs> it's ready to go. Which joke is this? Where the moms die. And we're reading all the notes and crying. Oh, and he's like, that's oh, why yeah, I go yeah, to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. He's like, that's why I don't go to Universal Studios. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it was, it was just like, ooh. and the sadder it got, the funnier I felt. It was like, ooh. It gets, <laughs> <laughs> so you like, had the grenade cooked in your yeah. hand. You could feel it ticking away in there. Like, oh, I'm gonna release just this more troops were lining up in front of more you. More and more troops. <laughs> yeah, as you guys were fucking bawling in the room, I was sitting in the corner, just like, this is gonna kill. Whenever I'm even remotely close that situation freddie i always like barf it in the worst way i'm always like i'm always like that's what she said and everybody's like what the fuck why would you say that why would you even say that oh my god my favorite joke overall is the intro where where will where Will is like, I bet you're wondering how I got in this crazy situation. <laughs> I don't remember that. I just yeah. thought that was so funny. And then the, the howl after one on one time with my son, or should I say one on wolf time <laughs> in the back? Yes, <laughs> I fucking die. Yeah, the intros. The intros a is thing. a very strange thing. So here was the original idea with the intros, which was you know, having had friends and promo cutting and stuff like that. It's like, it's an art form to be like, mm-hmm. what is a quick summary of the previous episode? Adventure Zone does a great job of this, you know, with the previously on and they're doing like a little clip thing. 24 does that too. And I was like, I don't like the 24 style previously on because it spoils what's coming. Mm-hmm. It has to, right? The needs of that is to be like, oh, this is going to happen. So here's a quick scene of this. So you know that, oh, this is going to be a storyline that touches on. So it was one of those scenarios where I was like, okay, the goal is a little reminder for everyone coming in, you know, after every two weeks, which is enough time to forget about what happened previously. Just a reminder of like, okay, what happened? How can you do that as entertainingly as possible? So the first one that I did was Hotel California yeah. parodies. And that was an in-universe Foolishly one. Foolishly yeah. opened the door to all of us to pitch you yes. song parodies for the next God, three years. The song yeah. ones took so much fucking time. And by the way, evidence that Glenn was not a Christmas guy, right? Because I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, it's a dad rock song, Hotel yeah, California. Yeah. So that was where it started. And then it just fucking like every fucking dumb thing I've ever done on YouTube. It just spirals out of control and becomes these crazy, huge ass things, which, yeah, I think it probably some was of the most fun. Was there ever a week where it was more work on the intro than the episode itself? No, the episodes are long enough for it, but like definitely some of the music ones mm-hmm. were like incredibly that was that, The involved. Jolene cover is the one that fucking melts my brain still, where I was like, I, I was like, yeah, oh, we should jo- do a heavy metal Jolene. I banged out some lyrics and then just like, just with the fucking drum kick and the harmonized vocal and the sh- I was like, what the fuck happened? This the Jolene one probably was the most work in mm-hmm. terms of time. I think I very distinctly remember that, which was, was like, I woke up on a Sunday 
and I sat at my computer on the Patreon, there's a video of this where I just, I had the feeling, I'm like, okay, I know how to approach this. So I'm like, I think I should record it just because I think it's gonna be really fun to watch. I remember looking up and be like, oh, it's nighttime now. <laughs> like it was basically an all day affair for that one. I think where the intros really took off is once we actually, weirdly enough, stopped worrying about them recapping. Cause I think, yeah. I think the whole recap They still thing, all do kind of, though, which is, I mean, it's like, it turned into like us doing like, audio fan art of the previous episode yeah, like, yeah. Like, just yeah. like, like a Holy celebration shit. and a reminder like a nostalgic oh that was fun like remember that episode without trying to explain it it was it's just like, like a cold open for the show basically yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, you take it's, just it's a, a week I love making it. fun of what you did the yeah week before. it's just like yeah. it's just really it's fun because it's like this weird because it kind of became that it became like oh what happened previous episode oh it'd be fun making fun of that yeah, episode how do we par- it was like yeah it's just like how do we parody what we did yeah last which week, is like basically. it just became really fun it might be recency bias it might not when not is talking to ron and it's like, so why do you feel so anxious yes, about yeah. your father? And oh, like, I don't know. That's kind of personal. I don't know if I want to talk about my father right now. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Well, how are you feeling right now? And he goes, scared about my father. Like, yeah. scared about it's, my dad. Scared about my dad. dad. It's, it's just like such a cl- I felt like I was the backboard in a game of one-on-one where there was no other player. And it was just Beth passing and assisting to herself and then slam fucking just alley-ooped on you. Just alley-ooped like- to herself. <laughs> it was fucking so good. Dungeons and Dice is brought to you this week by Haya. Haya. Oh, wow. I did not realize I was surrounded by some black belts in karate. It's not martial art, Beth. It's a pediatrician-approved superpower chewable vitamin. Most of the time when you talk about children's vitamins, it's just candy. It's just gummy bears. I don't tell oh. my mom. That was my whole trick as a little kid. Was it? Yeah, I'd be like, mm, I'm, I want some vitamins, mom. But really, I just wanted that sweet, sugary goodness. Oh, Most I thought you were going to say you replaced your vitamins with gummy bears. Because that would be that a, been a smarter move. I could have done that. Well, you might as oh, well, well, because most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and contribute to Disgusting. a variety of health issues. Ew, gross. Hi fills the common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Hayas pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins Ooh. and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, 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 B12. <laughs> that one came out weird. That was wrestling here for vitamin B12. Oh, vitamin D, B12. That's why this is all this is Oh, we're going to mercy. Folate, vitamin C. <laughs> it's vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, non-GMO, everything else. Would that you, you imagine. say that this product is a hunk of hunk of burden love? It's designed for kids two and up and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. They taste good, even though I don't take I don't take them. Oh my pills. <laughs> my gummies. <laughs> they also have a new kids probiotic and nighttime essentials. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling yeah. children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash daddies. This deal is not available on their regular website. This is a special Secret URL. You understand? Deal. Deal is one for the money and two for the great vitamins you're getting. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash daddies, and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Dungeons Dads is brought to you this week by Aura Frames. Are you looking for the perfect? Or are we? Or are we? Aura. We Aura. Aura Frames. Aura Frames. If you got pictures of seals, I know where you should go. Crank them onto your Aura Frames and give it to your mom. There's a big scroll that you're like, I got to take a picture of that. (laughs) (laughs) Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. You can put pictures of seals on there if you want. You can put pictures of Seal, the singer, on there if you want. They allow you to share, display. You can buy a bunch of these and put other, like, 
grow stuff on them for your goon room. It's true. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload <laughs> Make and share a goon photos. room your mom's comfortable walking into. <laughs> <laughs> Via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame. Listen to this, Anthony, with preloaded photos and memories. There we Dude, go. Dude, I preloaded my Aura frame with pictures of Pitbull and Pitbulls. So sometimes I get Mr. Worldwide and sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> No matter just, what, you win. I'm just being silly. I have great photos on my aura frames, and I love it. It's so a there. great Mother's Day gift this year, Beth. You could give my I already did. I did it for last month. Yeah, I got one kid. for my mom, too. You Moms fucking love Moms it. Love Moms this love this shit. Moms love it. For aura. From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, and even the friends in your life, every mom loves an aura That's like frame. a goon room that for a mom is just photos of your kids. <laughs> 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 Name the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and select it. Go as in one there of- and you see how long you can go without calling your kids. <laughs> <laughs> and select it as one of Oprah's favorite things. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use the code DUNGEONS at checkout for your mom to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'll talk about two things. One is like a group thing, and one is just my favorite thing I got to do is Henry. So for the group thing, uh, the deck of many things episode yeah like, that was I, yeah. really yeah I, it was yeah. i think that to the glenn stuff that was the turn from my like okay now the doors are closing on the show like because that was like to me like almost like the midpoint of the show it probably is it yeah because it was so fucking wild and it it's had uh, 44 i think a little bit over past the midpoint but yeah. like it was such a daredevil move and it was like i remember being terrified like what are we gonna pull how's it gonna go the fact that we got well actually out of yeah. it like in like that that insane turn of like scam likely showing up and then doing the thing and the damn drawing the card that makes him go away right away everyone getting fucked over and then glenn getting more and more powerful until in his fucking hubris he draws i remember starting with him killing the squirrel is like yeah and immediately leveling up (laughs) and then getting a whenever freddie says his human gun (laughs) and then all of that building up to him fucking yeeting himself like he's gonna square down with death and then yeah so they're like oh shit he drew death it cannot get worse than this and then he draws the one that throws him into a crest. So then Doug starts running after him. It was just crazy. I loved it. People may or may not believe that. Like, we did not we script that. We, yeah. no, if, we tried, if we had tried to script it, it would and not have been And that's a perfect example, as like, yeah. to your like, that episode could have been fine. Yeah. Women could yeah, very easily yeah. could have just been whatever. I just said, to go all the way back <laughs> yeah. to the finale, I think the finale was six bad dice rolls away from being a barn burner of suspense. And that, that is out of yeah. your control. Yeah. It's like the end of Mountains of Dadness. I think we all want the oh, finale to always yes. be as good as yes. the finale yes. of Mountains of Dadness, where it came down to the most clutch thing of all time. But yeah. you can't ask for that every time. That's fair. So my favorite thing I got to do is Henry. I mean, I love doing all the emotional stuff. Like, it was really empowering and exciting to do that as an actor like his run in Oakvale like I'm really really proud of that work I think my favorite thing to do was the courthouse 
I am a law and order boy through and through. I grew up watching court stuff. I never did mock trial as a kid, but I always daydreamed about it. And so to get to do like the objections and the cross, like getting to do like, are you winning son? Have you ever been winning? <laughs> like to get yes. to do like the, all that's like bringing air force one and all that. Like the, like, I mean, like it was a literal dream come true to get to do a closing argument. Like I was so, you were so super exceptional fun. at that. That yeah. was, you're really you into that. Really shown. Yeah. I was, you, could, you could feel the electricity that Will's like, I get to do Defender stuff. It was, I was, and it, was, it was again, you were all incredibly generous to let me do that. Like, it was, it was also one of those ones where I think, like, I must have just been vibrating with excitement at getting to do court we, shit. It was all remote. That's yeah, what's yeah. And wild. And that was also yeah. remote, too. But yeah. like, that was God, a total yeah. delight. And I, there, I also love that the punchline to all of that is you did an amazing job, and then the, the <laughs> verdict Damn. was the exact opposite of That's what you were arguing. the justice system, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I did not kill my friend. I did dismember him. My favorite episode to record, I think, in the room was the House of Riddles episode. I just, <laughs> I just had a blast House with that. Of Riddles? The House of Riddles, the scam one. likely one. The scam likely. Oh, they gave you all the like one. options to like lose your soul or like whatever. Or yeah, or like scam uh, likely House of Riddles or something. The scam likely one, or do you mean the book one, the book castle? No, it was when we were in person. Yeah, the yeah, book yeah, castle yeah. one. Oh, I that, was okay, too that's the one where for. Ron can't wear pants anymore. Yes. Holy shit! Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That was another saving grace because that pants meme was going to take over. It was like, okay, let's get. Ron a new thing like because again the the I hide in my pants was another like such a fucking out there yeah. crazy good joke from the beginning of the you scene know, from the it just of the seemed show. like what to do <laughs> at the time so that was funny because not only did that I hide in my pants right and also one of the best like Beth moments in the show which is you know hi hungry I'm dad figuring that yeah. out that, that, was, yes. that, was where I that episode is fucking full I of fu- really yeah. good shit I love that episode not only that but there's a great thing. The well, pyramid, well, the you confronting Sparrow and turning him into yep. a love wolf. Mm-hmm. The frogs, yeah. The frogs. Yeah, you want to talk about clutch D&D things affecting the story, that literally is because I ran after Sparrow to jump on the thing and Lark was downstairs, which is how Lark and Sparrow essentially became different characters, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. was then led to what we wound up setting up season two with. Yeah, that's yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Also, it turns out I switched those names at some yeah, point whatever. on accident, but who cares? <laughs> but that's funny. That whole episode, I think, is everybody firing on all cylinders. Like, even Matt being like... Even Matt. E- I mean, well, I mean, because it's not Daryl's episode. Daryl has nothing to do in that yeah. episode. He's the least relevant character. Because, like, at least Freddy is like, I'm going to try to get this out, and he fucks up, and it's, like, funny. But Daryl's like, I'm going to grab both of these kids, and I'm going to fucking mama bear and, like, dissolve this shit. And it's just like, you understand Daryl a lot better after that episode. Especially because it's also right after he sees all the people having sex. He's like, I don't know what to do with it. Like, <laughs> when he walks into the pit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like everybody's characterizations really solidify. Uh, this, what is that? Episode three? Yeah. Four? Why might as well then? I was just going to say my favorite moment, which is the pyramid. On other talking dads, I don't think I've ever ever done favorite moment as like myself because like one I don't even usually remember what I do or care what I do it's just like I think specifically I'm in so terms humble of, you know it's just, <laughs> no, I just, it's just otherwise I'd go crazy you would you'd be like me and Beth like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about though. <laughs> no I think about myself all the time but it was the pyramid because it was um two things the pyramid and then the because I don't care about compliments the only compliments I care about are from Anthony because he doesn't give compliments so when Anthony said Matt that's knows, how I know they're working yeah when Anthony said Matt knows what an episode needs so I think the pyramid to me that's essentially became the moment where I understood like how I could play the game because it became oh interesting honestly like I want to try to be funny I want to like move the game forward but like me like being like a fucking comedy fanatic and loving Chaplin and like character driven stuff and like a writer like it was the thing Daryl would do would be throw like again million things D and D would have been like I jump down and like I'm a barbarian so I I'm use the use axe my, and I attack. Yeah, my double was, attack to yeah yeah, yeah and it was like and something within character that I think will 
change the way things are going, but make sense for the character and work for the gameplay thing. And like the moment the pyramid and that whole episode was just like already fun in the first you, place. Your decision like, to throw the bag. Of yeah, yeah, I decided to just throw okay. the bag down. Yeah. I was like, I think that when we all heard about the bag, it was like, we got to dump that fucking bag out. But it was the moment that happened and then it, everything spiraled and then it just all became really funny. And then like everybody, you got like the frogs and yeah. you got like the crazy well. stuff with the, the kids are trapped yeah, underneath. Yeah, the almost dies. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, like I shouldn't be concerned about like winning d and I should be concerned Concerned about like playing the game Winning in a fun way that works for friend. my character. <laughs> <laughs> playing in a fun way that worked for the character specifically. Yes. So like yeah, I try to because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not about not being aware of the game. It's about like thinking about like what would be fun and also what would Daryl yeah. do. And then like from that moment on, I was like, I know what I'm supposed to do or I know what I'm in for. The pants thing out of that episode came out of like I was talking to somebody about like playing D and D, and they're like, Well, what kind of character? I'm like, I'm a rogue, and they're like. Well, that doesn't sound like a rogue. You just sound like a stepdad. I'm like, well, like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I need mean, to never talk to that friend. Great job, again. friend. I'm just like, well, I don't know. Like, what is a rogue supposed to do? Just be like, cool. And they're like, no, they're supposed to be like sneaky. And so I'm like, well, I got to do something sneaky this episode. <laughs> no and so that's where I hide in my pants came from. Amazing. Because I just thought it wow. would be a sneaky thing to do. I think one of the fun things about the premise in terms of how it lets us interact with D&D because they're dads, they're not from this world. Yes. They have a plausible deniability about their actions as players <laughs> that you wouldn't if you were in. And like, if you were playing an actual barbarian who like was in the Forgotten Realms and knew what a bag of beans was, like you yeah. wouldn't be able to convincingly roleplay that he dumps the bag of beans open. Yeah. Like, so then well, I being, throw it to Freddy. I don't dump it on purpose. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. it's like being like four dads who aren't from the world and not really understanding what's going on. Like, I think, especially in the early episodes, that fish out of water element like had big dividends on a comedy. Yeah level because it let us do things that felt authentic to the characters that wouldn't necessarily be things that like a normal D character would do yeah. matt when you settle into it, i think some of the hardest times that i've laughed is because like you come up with some of these jokes that are like so from the perspective of the character that it shocks I, you it's like yeah it shocks yeah. you you're it's like what then like the stinger of like oh do you think they need djs in the forgotten realm it's just like yeah that's what daryl would say uh-huh that's 100 percent what daryl would say i'm just snapping the neck of glenn's dreams yeah 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 Glenn's like, i think i'm gonna stay and then it's like <laughs> do they need DJs? They need djs here which is like, such a, like need a job what's great about that you can after the fact map the thought process yeah, and it's yeah, so yeah. obvious in retrospect yeah. like he's oh, looking he... out for glenn he wants to make sure glenn yeah. can have a fucking job <laughs> but he's not he emotionally jobs. present enough to realize what that will do to him in the moment it's so fucking good <laughs> the stuff with the world war one pea garments too. oh my god, oh my oh my god. god. which is one of my favorite openings oh in hardcore history and freddie's intro and that was like yeah he's like quotes directly from the transcript like what he yeah. said <laughs> that's so right like, Dan Carlin. As I recall, he said, I think I read that. Shit. <laughs> 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 Did he react to that online? Or no, it was the History of Rome guy. Yeah, like, the History yeah. of Rome guy, which was fantastic. Oh, really? yeah. Very similar. He was like, yeah, because we, we blew up his Twitter, basically, because people were like, oh, there's a shout out to you on the show. He's like, oh, okay. dope. He's too big now. Now he's got two New York Times bestsellers, so he wouldn't do that again. We did the inverse with You're Wrong About, where we got that You're Wrong About bump before the show went away. So yeah. we, we have to treasure that for the rest of our days. <laughs> yeah. Just because we're on the topic of intro on that i think that like one of the things that gives me the most joy is taking the artistic and formalistic framework of something and trying to match it as close as humanly mm -hmm. possible and then doing something absolutely absurd in it. it's like one of my favorite videos that we ever did on youtube was pimp my horse oh which my was, god which was like pimp my ride with a horse but like i remember digging through like sound libraries online and i bought a pack of like 
production ready, non-scripted music because it, it was really important for me. That I was like, it has to be this kind of music. So anytime we did a podcast parody, like I think I, the Radio Lab parody, I had so much fucking fun with mm-hmm. yeah. in terms of just like the way that they talk about things and they like yeah. intro and the, and they like <laughs> I don't know, it's just like to me the formalistic yeah. Robert Kroll, which is really very, good. Yeah, very the, good. But playing with the formalistic elements of something is like the, so fucking fun to the me. The fucking part in the radio lab one that specifically takes me out is when it fades down on Jimmy's voice. Like a Jimmy's <laughs> like, so oh yeah, I run the shop, and it's like he runs a shop. <laughs> I don't know why that got me. Just kill and then you hear someone break something in the background. It's, yeah. it's so fucking chaotic. No, because that's the best part of that radio lab one too. It's just like really you have to paraphrase like what were they saying that you have to <laughs> <laughs> They gotta come in on shop. It's like they do that all the time. It's like, yeah, I do. It's like, he does this. Like, why the fuck did he cut out in that moment? So, Freddie is extremely detail oriented when it comes to editing and specifically when it comes to hitting like aesthetics like that. And I was like, man, this seems like a lot of effort for blah, 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 blah. And then afterward, a friend of mine who I worked with who listened to the show was like, dude, that Radiolab intro, the part where you say Ange instead of and, like at the beginning of Radiolab yeah. where she says Ange, I fucking died. I was like, okay, Freddie's right. Like, <laughs> Dungeons Ange Daddies. Right? Yeah, Dungeons yeah. Ange Daddies. And like, <laughs> fucking kills. This is more recent, but the audio design of Glenn having sex with yeah. that woman yeah. and like him That's going like, up and getting some water and be like, <laughs> and like, <laughs> like him scratching his belly while you hear the audio going on in the background where I think Beth's doing Sarah Koenig or something. Like, yes. Beth's doing no. the Spotify lady. The Spotify yes, lady. Spotify yeah. lady. I promise you talking to us is not just us laughing at our own jokes. The only thing we haven't done is talk about other movies yeah, and stuff. Which we about yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, the fucking paid and see you again rap. Like, I think maybe the biggest reaction we've gotten to an intro because of that intro, I think it was really like, we can do rock. Rock. Yeah. I remember you came over unlike Matt, you got it in one take. Matt got it in the course of about four hours. It's punching uh, down when I openly admit I'm terrible at something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is I'm trying I'm, to elevate. I'm horrible at music. I'm elevating Will by saying, I was like, oh shit, Will, hey, we could do a rap album here. No, I was like, hey, Matt, because I'm elevating Will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm elevating Will by tearing you down. That's For one, honestly, you go off, the other one has to get I'm hurt. I'm going to fucking write that down as a way to <laughs> devastate people. I'm not hating on my dad. I'm elevating my mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so fun putting that together. And again, like I love everybody's verses on it. I recorded mine in a closet with no metronome and only me thinking about what my verse would be in my head. And so yeah, the that was fact a little harder to edit. The fact that Freddie was able to edit it, I was young then. I didn't know. I'm trying to think of the comparison, <laughs> but that was like I remember coming over here and Freddie being like, <laughs> not to tell. It was like the whiplash tales. scene. I remember you telling me that at uh, one point. Oh well, yeah, but no, it was specifically because I was like, I had my verses like oh, I practice. I I can't rap. Freddie's gonna find out. Like I literally cannot hold a beat whatsoever. And then he's like. Oh man, this rap's pretty tough, but you know, I mean, you could tell Beth's a poet because she wrote something that's like really clever, but like it doesn't fit the tone of the rap at all. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds tough. He's like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to edit it. It sounds really tough. I'm like, oh, that sounds really hard. He's like, anyways, Matt, let's do you. I'm sure you'll be easy. I'm like, the whole time he was complaining about Beth. I was like nodding along, be like, oh shit. Oh shit. He was just trying to to build you up. I was building you up by putting her down, Matt. I was like, he's about to kill me. (laughs) That'd be wild if you really leaned into it. Like, yeah, Beth fucking sucks. Yeah, that's fucking terrible. Let me hear it. Oh my God. Oh my God, you call those bars? All right, all right, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, homie. Put me yeah. in the headphones. But it's okay, because you've written yours to the beat. I'm like, yeah, the beat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do this. And I can just, I just remember distinctly Freddie's face when I first went through. He's like, 
<laughs> that we'll intro is such a, a relic of my previous life because I remember I wrote my verse like at work yeah. at oh, my job wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> between phone calls and then recorded it in a closet. My two personal favorites would probably be when it was like my dumb idea then I was able to bully everyone that's letting me do it was the Aaron Mankey lore intro. Oh God, yes. There were people complaining where they were like, I switched podcasts like three <laughs> times because I kept thinking it was lore. And that made me very happy. And then at the end when you're like, this is Will Campos impersonating Aaron Mankey. <laughs> That's my favorite Futurama joke that Rich Little does during his Howard Cosell impersonation. Like he just introduces himself like, I'm Rich Little impersonating Howard Cosell. <laughs> um, and then the other one that is like, it was such a, because I've been listening to so many audiobooks. Like I got into this whole thing oh, about audio books. Yes, oh my Tantor God, yes, the audio So we did the Tantor audiobook for the snake that parody. one was yeah. so funny. It's I so fucking, love fucking it. stupid. That was, but I was like, is that, again, it's like my favorite little bit that you never think about is like that little Tantor audio presents <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> and it's always the phrase like holds the copyright there too. So I was like, we got to do it. And then it was just like, the fucking guy we got was so good. Yeah. Like, that was a Fiverr yeah. special. Yeah. That was uh, me going on Fiverr being like, I need a British gentleman to read an audio book. Hayden Bennett. Yeah. I remember being like, I, the message on Fiverr, I was like, okay, so this was a little weird. <laughs> Here's the text. And then I need you to just hiss like a snake for like 30 <laughs> seconds. And he's like, oh, I got this. And then he, it was like literally just perfect. I was like, this yeah. guy rules. I was watching Taken a couple of months ago. And I remember our Taken intro. I really liked doing our Taken <laughs> intro because of Anthony just being like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and can we talk really quick about how blessed we are to have such fantastic guest stars? Oh my yes. God. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Holy shit. I, I mean, constantly I'll, think about how good how Radicus good made Radicus, yeah. that made entire that, yes. trial thing yes. because how yeah. good Jenna was at being a, a genuinely intimidating foil just from her confidence and competence. Jenna comes in and Radicus is like very intimidating, but also you're like, Radicus is better, a better person than any of yeah. you guys. Yeah. You feel like you're double screwed because this is a really good prosecutor, but also like a much better human being than the dad. Yeah. Jenna does what every good guest star does, which is she made me feel like a guest star on my own show. Yes. <laughs> like I came in, I was yes. like, oh shit, this is Jenna's like law show and I'm here, oh. She understood the tone going in like instantly. She knew how to be antagonistic in a way that was playful and still made her likable, but also made it very clear that you were not on the same level as her. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to act really fucking smart to get on to Radicus's level. Yeah. Her performance alluded like uh, confidence and professionalism, both as like a performer and as a human being that I will never have. (laughs) I just really respect And then of course, Ashley Birch. I I feel like all three guest stars, we gave them the hardest possible curveballs. Yeah. The dark souls of being a guest star. Because yes, and Ashley coming in and she's just like, I've been here the entire time and then Dennis fit like a fucking glove. Yeah, I felt so bad about it in the moment. It's like she wrote that natural twenty. I was just like, "Hey, give us that classic Dennis catchphrase!" Yeah. Like, and then she's like, "Just happy to be here." I was like, "God damn it!" Yeah, so she did it. She fucking yeah. somehow pulled it out yeah. of nothing. Oh, God. Yeah. Came up with Dilf on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was that a her special? I forgot about that. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. What did? What do you mean? Dedicated, involved, loving father. Oh yeah, was that, that was her? her. That was her. Oh my god, yeah. Jesus! She should get a cut I, of that. I was merch. gonna say we, we owe her some merch money. Yeah. Emmy. Yeah. But yeah, no, she was absolutely fantastic in that episode. And then James, fucking Jimmy, James Wong. Probably the most pumped I've been on this podcast was the moment that you revealed that you had been talking to Jimmy. Oh, that, that was incredible. That's yeah. true. I was we did not so know. happy with that. I, I was beyond chuffed. This is what I think is probably the funniest moment of the entire series: is oh you God, versus exactly. Jimmy trying to 
don't even remember the context surrounding oh it, but you were God, one word at a time word. trying to like cast this like spell <laughs> Somebody, or whatever, and so, you won't let each other have the fucking last word, <laughs> and you're getting angrier and angrier at each other. As somebody who's probably been with Jimmy and Freddie more than almost anybody other than like your family, I love Jimmy and Freddie's special relationship. There's no way you two should have fucked that up. Like it's the easiest <laughs> thing ever. You guys didn't finish it. Not, it was so easy not to fuck up that you well, actually completely knew what they were doing. No, like, no, no, knew no, no, was no, 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 and he doubles down. And then Jimmy, yeah, see, I disagree. Jimmy got annoyed. And yeah. then it's just like, and they literally Jimmy didn't like the idea that Freddie was implying Jody should do something. Yes. So he's like, I'm yeah. taking this back. Yeah. So they, they self-sabotage her so hard. It was great because it's one of those things where the performer's problem mirrored perfectly the character's problem. Yes. So yeah, 100%. Jimmy and Freddie sabotage each other in the same exact way that Glenn and Jody would have. It was so funny. The sense just becoming prepositions was like <laughs> yeah. the funniest yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just so furious at each other that they because... won't let it fucking end. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember Jimmy kept throwing these like trailing purposes. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's that thing Matt does where like Matt knows how to make bad improv funny. Like you're incredibly good <laughs> yeah. improv, but then you also know how to really upset people with intentionally yeah. bad improv. You're not my girlfriend. <laughs> hey, what are you doing in that tree? Like, it's just like this antagonistic energy. Um, I was going to say the other sibling rivalry moment is Mark Light, the fan fiction. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Screaming. Uh, Shit. Like, that's yeah. basically us doing a vaudeville, like let's take the show on the road. Cause we already did that kind of gag and rocket jump the show. And we're like, well, nobody saw that. So we can just do the same <laughs> thing where we hector each other about fan fiction. Did you guys have that beforehand? Did you talk about no, it? No, no, no. It was just a moment. We realized it in the moment. I was like, oh, I could just do the fan fiction thing again. And it'll fucking kill in this context. <laughs> There's even a line where she's like, this was in rocket jump the show. I'm like, no, we fucking listen to the rocket jump show. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah. It's I didn't exactly realize in the moment, but like, out. oh, if I have my sister on and the end boss is me in high school, this is going to get, get very <laughs> You walked into the wrong room. I built the room for myself and then walked in and went, oh my God, who put all these traps here? We should talk very quickly about the body swap episode because again, a lot of people listening haven't heard Talking Dads. That was, I don't know. That it was, was fun. I loved playing Henry. It, it was a brain melt. Yeah, it was like <laughs> right, you being infuriatingly good at Henry like gave me an existential crisis. I was like, what the fuck is happening? And then you were great as Daryl, too. I've evolved enough that comments don't normally get to me on the Reddit anymore, but like there was one where it's like, I could tell Beth has no respect for Matt because of how she's <laughs> and I, and I, it fucking crushed me. I was like, oh, fuck. And Matt wrote that comment. That I, probably, that was fucked I, up part. But I listened back on it. I wasn't super happy with how I had diminished Daryl to like his like least desire. It's but, fine. Yeah. It but, fine. I just a fucking, I, 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 I would do a barbecue with cops. <laughs> that made me laugh very hard. Every once in a while, I'm like, I don't ever need to get Beth a birthday present because Will and I doing a conversation conversation between Ron and Beth May is probably oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> present enough for a few years. Oh my God. You're right. Oh my God. Can we talk about the Maxon's acoustic version of all right? Yes, absolutely. You cried, right? I did fucking cry. Yeah. I didn't cry like listening to it in the context of the episode, but like I, I want more of that, which is things I didn't know were happening. And then they're suddenly done and available for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little treat. <laughs> yeah. It was just like in the discord, like, Oh, all right. Acoustic version. I okay. Matt, <laughs> So Max is such a fucking secret weapon. Like, he's incredible. We've worked with him for years with a bunch of Rocket Jump stuff. He did a ton of the music on Dimension 404. He's just a machine. You can throw anything at him, like, and he will fucking knock it out of the park. Again, he did all of the backing tracks on Rocks Rock, which were just absolute bangers. It made it so, it was, like, good. The swing version of All Right oh, is, yeah, is such a fucking, fucking... very cool. Oh, I love that. I remember when Freddie first played All Right to me. It was like, I've been talking to Max. This is what I'm thinking about for the theme of the show. I was like, it took me by surprise because I... 
very stupidly was like, oh, when we do the theme, it should be like a kitschy Lord of the Rings thing. Like, that's what I assumed the theme was going to be. And then he was like, no, I want to do like this rock thing with it. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And they listened to the song and I listened to it again. I'm like, this is fucking great. Like, this is really, really good. And yeah, the acoustic version just broke my heart. I like, love that the acoustic version is probably going to be the last time you hear like, because I think for season two, yeah. you should have a different song. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah the yeah, idea yeah. that it's like playing itself out in this very personal acoustic yeah. way. Yeah. Like, so that's tough, weird. dude. It's weird because unlike VJHS or like ending a show, it's like we're still continuing. Yeah, no, 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 but like the song hit me in terms of like on our live listen, which is the first time I listened to the full episode. Like I scanned through it to see if there's any pickups I wanted or whatever. But like the live listen to the acoustic, and then I was like, oh, this is the acoustic, and then I was like, oh shit, I was like, yeah, the show's really over. I was like, damn, like I was saying, I didn't choke up at the song in the live listen, but hearing the curtain call got me. Yes, that's actually the closest yeah. I got yeah. to watery eyes. I think thing. that if the curtain call had happened over like where Freddie normally talks over the song, mm-hmm. like I would have lost my life. <laughs> I would have died. <laughs> It was the weirdest part, but when I heard Jenna's voice, because like Freddie reached out to everybody just separately. So for me, it was the same thing of like, oh, I didn't have anything to do with him to just show up. I was like, oh my God, they even got Jenna. I was like, yeah. hey, yeah. that's us. What am I talking about? <laughs> they even got Jenna. I was the same as hearing it's, the other people's voices. Like, you know, oh, other it's people the closest this. I'll ever to feel to what Frodo felt when he was sitting in the bed and then everyone kept coming <laughs> to the door. <laughs> 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 I literally cannot see that scene now and not think of him not knowing like Alyssa's name. Because he says everybody's name. And then he looks at Legolas. He's like, Legolas is like, that's right. And you're like, you buy it. They weren't that in the adventure. No, they weren't close at all. You can imagine him like he's almost going to say the elf. He's like, no, no, no. I shouldn't say that. That'd be bad. You have a friend group of eight friends that you just met. You're going to forget one. Yeah. So thank you for listening to this uh, retrospective on season one of Dungeons and Daddies. We really hope you stick around for not only Fetch Quest, which again, we've already recorded. It was a lot of fun to record and I'm sure it's going to be even better once, you know, it's all edited together. And then I, I hope you stick around for season two and that you enjoy it. And even if you don't do any of those things and you just listen this far, Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. absolutely. It's been wild to have something that had this degree of positive feedback and that people actually seem to give a shit about. Like, generally, you know, you get to choose, does it do well? Is it actually good? Do people like it? And <laughs> yeah. Two we, out of three, right? We, yeah, yeah. We fuck, Mary, three kill. Of yeah. yeah, we get to fuck, Mary and kill this podcast <laughs> because of you. So thank you so, so, so much for listening. It, it truly means the world to us. And at least for me personally, this is the most creatively satisfying thing I've ever worked on in my life. Mm-hmm. So thank you again. Thanks very much, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. See you in season two.